Shut up and sit down. The current state of politics is unsustainable uh, politically, economically. You know, you still have distrust there. We all come from very different places. Man, we don't want the government to do a damn thing. We deserve better. People have to have the information in front of them. It is about supporting, platforming, and, and assisting the people who are out here actually doing the fight. There you go. Like, just promote people who are doing something. Volunteer to work with people who you like. and Take an issue that's important to you and do something. You are part of that declaration against tyranny. This conversation gives me a little more hope for the future. The one, the only. Fight for liberty. This is the cherry on top. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fight for Liberty Live. Today, we have host of No Way Jose, Jose Gallison, coming on the show to talk OKC bombing and other conspiracy theories. But first, as always, we're going to give a little shout out to our sponsors. First up, Nug of Knowledge. You've heard me talk about them pretty much every single episode since we started. Nugofknowledge.com is the place to go to get your cannabis needs especially if you live in a state that you cannot go to a normal dispensary uh you can get these shipped to you we've got cbd cbg delta 8 uh gummies vapes flowers all sorts of different things go on over to nugofknowledge.com use promo code fsm to get a little bit of a discount and help support the show the network and libertarians that you know and love go go spend money uh and then while you're at it, you know, or maybe if uh, if weed isn't quite your thing, how about a nice bottle of Cabernet? Uh, Bloodoftyrants.wine is the site to go to and get some delicious wine if you want a nice relaxing night in, but also to sip on the blood of your enemies and take down the tyrannical state. Bloodoftyrants.wine, that's the place to go. Uh, promo code there is F4L. That gets you five bucks off your first order. And again, it helps support the show, which I really appreciate. And, uh, you know, you're probably going to buy a bottle of wine this week anyway. Why not have the entirety of the profit of that bottle of wine go back into the liberty movement instead of some random dude from California? Uh, but without further ado, as I mentioned earlier, tonight's episode is going to be awesome. We have Jose Gallison, host of No Way Jose and co-host of Tower Gang, creator of multiple video series, including the Anarchist Handbook and ones on JFK, OKC Bombing, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, and he is the seller of hairless cats and rocker of dope-ass tank tops, collector of nerdy shit, Jose Gallison. Welcome to the show. Let's just jump right into uh, the OKC Bombing stuff. So for those of listeners that have absolutely no idea what we're talking about here because it happened almost 30 years ago uh what happened in oklahoma city uh and who are william mcveigh and terence eke and why should we not trust the mainstream narrative oh wow that's uh, a lot uh, i've done 10 hours on this and it's really this is one of those stories that's very hard to condense there's a whole lot to it uh timothy mcveigh he is the uh he was the bomber uh you know uh, that's the official narrative and I'm, I'm not saying that to say i don't believe he was the bomber i do i do believe he actually did bomb it but i think there's a whole lot more to the story than simply just he was some crazed uh racist militia member who decided to blow up a federal building uh, i think there's a whole lot more intrigue to the story who, who was he why did he do this uh there, there's a whole lot um 
for example. Uh, by the way, I do want to add it was him in the official narrative as him and Terry Nichols. That was his accomplice. His accomplice being uh, is uh, I believe he was more of like a accompanying role. I don't even I don't I believe he actually had an alibi. He wasn't there at the time of the bombing, but he kind of uh, gave a material support of some kind. Like uh, one of the things is he he committed a robbery against some. Uh, he robbed some guy named Roger Moore. Uh, and this was also another weird thing about it. And that's the way he got, he stole something like 70 guns and a bunch of like precious metals and all sorts of stuff to be able to help fund uh, their, their, you know, expedition, if you will. <laughs> uh, and uh, the weird thing about that situation is Roger Moore is one of the most obvious feds in history. <laughs> uh, if you look at his, uh, if you look at his past, he had a boat company. He, uh, he, he basically was involved in a whole lot of intrigue. Uh, I believe Iran Contra. Uh, he was essentially looked like he was probably a paymaster for the CIA at some point. There's a whole bunch to it. I, I would suggest people go check out my series. Uh, I want to also caveat: I am not the expert. My the guy who I had on, uh, Richard Booth. He is the expert. He's my guy. He's who I had on with him. I've just picked up a lot of this throughout. So if I if I get anything wrong, forgive me. Go check out the series. Richard Booth will not steer you wrong. But yes, uh, Roger Moore. That that robbery was one of those things that was a quote unquote robbery. It was almost like it. It borderline seems like it was planned. If you look into the details, uh, it seems weird. Roger Moore and Timothy McVeigh have a past to where they. Um, where they went to the gun show circuit together, they would split boost, you know, uh, they would, they had a whole lot of time together. It does look like it was a lot. I mean, and then you add in the fact of his past, it's like, Oh, weird that you robbed him. And it was one of those things where it was kind of like, Oh, give me your stuff. He's like, well, okay. <laughs> it was almost like it was planned to give plausible deniability. That way he, he could, you know, say that he also ended up later becoming the star witness uh, against McVeigh in in court, uh, there, yeah, there's a whole lot to it. Uh, who was the other person you asked about? Uh, Terrence Hickey. Mm -hmm. uh, Terrence Hickey. He was a he was the first one of the first responders to the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, the thing with him is he he saved something like four or more people, and I think he collapsed through like the, the one of the floors. I think he fell like two floors or something, and ended up hurting himself. I mean, not too bad to where like he could, but he ended up in the hospital uh, after, and he got out of the hospital as quick as he could. His ex-wife uh, Tanya Ikes, who picked him up, and according to her testimony, well, not, I guess not testimony, maybe we'll put it, but her because uh, uh, testimony kind of implies court. But her uh, her what she said is that one of the first things she told him is kind of like along the lines of uh, you know uh, Tanya, it's not what they're telling you. He was never very explicit which uh, one would think that that may have something to do with the fact of he didn't want to bring in the mother of his children too deep into whatever he may be stepping in. And he definitely seemed anxious to get out of the hospital. It seemed there were already people bugging him about, you know, it seems to be that it, it seems to be the case that they were trying to get him to go along with the official narrative immediately. Uh, now that could mean a number of things. Uh, the big thing is, um, one of the things he did say at one point, I can't remember what's, what person he talked to about this, because there was one of the sources was a letter to his friend. There's also his ex-wife that has spoken about this before. There's a whole like over hour long interview that she did, like I think a year or two after the bombing uh, on like a news station where you can find that. There's not much else from her you can find, although there is uh, she she definitely made it sound like uh, God, fuck, I lost my train of thought. Uh, you threw a lot at me all at once. <laughs> 
bad. Yeah, no, this is good. a this is a big a big topic for sure. Yeah, no, it is. It is a big topic. But yeah, Terrence, it seems like oh, I remember what I was getting at like kind of what what did he know? Uh, mm-hmm. it, it could be one of the things he did say. My point was I couldn't remember which source he said this to, but uh, he did say something along the lines that he thought it was odd that when he first the ATF was already there when he got there and he was one of the first people there. So it's kind of like, how did they respond so quickly? Uh, which kind of implies, you know, they knew ahead of time. There also were uh, there were sightings of bomb squads before the bombing. Uh, so it's kind of like who had prior knowledge. Also, mm-hmm. the ATF didn't show up that morning, and that was their office. No, none of them were there. There was a person who was interviewed at the 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 uh, the wreckage of the bomb, who was someone who was looking for their, I believe, their wife, who he said on the news. Uh, it was like KTOR or something along those lines. I have the notes somewhere if it, it really matters. But anyways, he that, that witness said that uh, he attested to the fact that uh, he said on the news, uh, you know, like live essentially, that he, one of, he saw one of the ATF guys there that he knew because he, he worked in that building. And I don't remember he wasn't there for whatever reason that day. And he's kind of like looking for his wife, like, hey, where are they? And he was like, uh, where's the ATF? Like talking to the guy. And he, he, the guy told him that, yeah, none, none of the ATF showed up that day. They got a beeper to hold them not to come in. So mm-hmm. uh, they said later, uh, you know, officially that they had been at some sort of training exercise or something along those lines. Sure. So <laughs> point being, that was one thing he saw. There's also he, you know, he could have seen one of the big things is I, I don't normally lean too much into this element because I don't really it, I don't think it really matters one way or the other whether this is true. I guess it does matter in a sense, but there's not a ton to go off of. Uh, there is, there were eyewitnesses that saw um, planted, exp- like someone uh, about a week or so prior, planting putty-like material along the uh, the building. You know, kind of impl- implying kind of like a, I forget the type of C4, but there's a type of like C4 that you can like, it's like a plastique essentially, mm-hmm. I think is what they're called. Uh, you know, uh, that seems to imply that. So it would be a matter of like he may have seen secondary explosives or something along those lines, something that doesn't line up with that. It was just the truck bomb that it was supposed to be originally. Yeah. So, I mean, there could be a number of other things that he saw. Uh, and then then, you know, kind of he once again, like I was saying, he wasn't really falling in line with the official narrative. He seemed to imply to multiple people that he was disconcerted. It was like to his ex-wife. Uh, to a friend in the letter, and I believe there was one or two other people. There were multiple sources that, that test this, and lo and behold, uh, not too much later, I think within the year, uh, he ended up dead, and they they got it ruled a suicide almost immediately. But here's the thing: he was he what was it? He had a his throat was slit, his wrists were cut, he had a gunshot wound to the gun. He was a bullet to the head, essentially at a weird angle too. It was kind of like an upward downwards angle, a weird, weird way, like kind of odd. It was also, you can tell by the gunshot residue that it wasn't at point blank. So he would have to be out like this or someone else. He also was found there were in his wounds. He had, he had stab wounds as well. He had multiple stabs as well in his body. There was grass and dirt in the wounds there were bruises and you know, like kind of ligature marks that seemed to imply uh, handcuffs or ropes of some sort. And on top of that, his body was found, I believe it was, a, I want to say it was a mile and a half away from his car that was covered in two pints of his own blood. So it's kind of the idea of that, like, you're telling me this guy, you know, I guess, it's, you know, it's, we would assume he at least, you know, did some sort of, if, if, if we're going to believe the official narrative, 
whether it was cut his wrist, throat, whatever, in the car, because two pints is a lot. I forget how much is in the human body. Uh, so, like, I, I think two pints, you're basically dead at that point. If I, I mean, I yeah, forget. Just about. But, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly. But point being is it implies that he uh, he bled out like a motherfucker in that, in that car somehow and then somehow end up a mile and a half away. And it was very rough terrain. So you're telling me he did that damage and then walked that far. Uh, I believe there might be some more other weird things about it that I'm forgetting. There's definitely more other things about the case specifically. Uh, you know, I, I believe, I don't know if I said he was a first responder. He was a cop to, to be mm-hmm. clear. Um, and the weird thing about it too, is the, where the suicide quote unquote occurred was not in his police uh, department's jurisdiction, but almost immediately they took over the, the case uh, and they didn't really give a good reason as to why they just did. And then almost mm-hmm. immediately was ruled a suicide. And you can tell, too, from there's, you know, I would say if you are interested in this specific aspect, part seven of my Oklahoma City uh, series on my channel, No Way Jose, you can go check out specifically part seven. That's where we talk a lot about Yiki. Uh, there's also something else we squeeze in that episode. We did Yiki and another case is another specific weird oddity about that case. But Yiki specifically part seven, there's a lot of other weird stuff there, uh, you know, specifically about like, you know, the forensics, uh, you know, like some of the aspects of how they treated the family in the aftermath, uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the way they returned some of the evidence, uh, like they, the family got his car back and uh, they, they found a bloody knife in there that they never, the, uh, you know, assuming that was probably one of the knife that was used. Uh, and the, that was one that they had not, I guess they hadn't searched deep enough to find it which is kind of like, well, what kind of forensic uh, looking into this did you really do yeah. if you didn't find it? And I think it was like the glove box. It wasn't anywhere tricky. Uh, <laughs> like, so they didn't, it seemed they didn't really do any sort of actual investigation in any way. They ruled it suicide almost immediately. Didn't really try. I mean, it's also just like borderline disrespectful to the family. They didn't even at the very least try to clean up their tracks at all because it's like, now you got to find the likely, you know, maybe it probably wasn't the actual murder weapon. The actual murder weapon was likely probably the gun. But it was something that uh, played a part, and they get to find it, you know, uh, and kind yeah. of, like, show how little effort they put into actually solving this case. Uh, there, there's a whole lot to this case. It, it really is insane. The more you dig, the more you're like, whoa. Like, uh, it's crazy this is a thing that happened. And uh, I know I don't know if you're a full-on anarchist like I am. I know a lot of our oh, yeah. people uh, uh, tend to be like, the all cops are bad type. And I get it. There is, mm-hmm. like, a, there is a certain way to argue that where you can make the case, like, you're a cop. There are unjust laws. You signed up to to enforce those unjust laws. And I guess theoretically you could become a cop and never enforce those unjust laws. But let's be real. That's not going to be something that's going to happen. That's not really a feasible thing someone can do. Uh, you're yeah. probably not going to last long in the force if you try to. So there is like some theoretical argument for the fact of all cops are bad. But like let's be real. It's a little bit more nuanced than that. And even if that is the case, this was a cop that clearly was trying – not to be bad (laughs) he he was not okay with this injustice that occurred and he was trying to in any way rectify it and he was not willing to go along with the official narrative is what seems to imply yeah i think i i retweeted your uh timcast clip with the caption all cops are bastards except for darren (laughs) jiki yeah i've tweeted a few times though like uh, the one good cop and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, obviously being facetious, I'm them. sure there are other good cops in that sense that have done good things and, or whatever. I, 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 
I, I also think that's probably a very simplistic way to boil it down, but I get the, I get the sentiment, the idea that you're enforcing unjust laws, and yes, that's a thing. But like also, people are a little bit more complicated than that. I mean, for all I know, I believe Yiki was a uh, big into the dare, uh, the dare program at that time because it was in the mm. mid '90s. I, I'm sure he probably enforced drug laws, but I'm sure he was of the opinion that that was a, you know, he was in some way helping. So it's a little bit yeah. more complicated than that. People are more tricky than that. He at the very least thought he was doing the right thing. I was active duty military for 11 years. I joined, think I was doing the right thing, and then later I was like, okay, what the hell am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all I'm doing is you know helping out the war machine to some extent. Uh, yeah. I guess towards the end, I kind of became more of a Ron Swanson type, or if anything, I was grinding the gears. But <laughs> you know, still, either way, I was kind of like it. It it's a little bit more complicated than trying to boil it down to that simple is is not really doing it a, a fair service. Uh, I mean, I, I get the theoretical aspect, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I I definitely have a lot of hypocrisy in that one because I'm I'm a big like a cab uh, person, and it's actually an argument my wife and I get into a lot because she's very apolitical. Uh, so she's not like a like a bootlicker or anything like that. She's just like, a, well, you can't generalize like that. Like she's just you know hardline stance of like you can't say all blank are bad, uh, which you know normally I agree with. And, you know, to your point about, uh, like, going into the military, I was very, very close. Uh, I grew up in a military family. Uh, I was the first male in, like, seven generations that didn't serve. Uh, and, all, like, all my cousins did as well. Um, and it was, like, purely selfish reasons. Like, I just didn't want to take four years off of my life. I graduated high school a year early, and I just wanted to, like, blitz through college, maybe do it that in th- three, three and a half years, and just, like hit the ground running and be like Forbes 30 under 30. Like Mm -hmm. that was the goal. So I was like, I can't take four years off of that mission and go serve in the military. Uh, Like maybe I'll do it after that and like be a, like if that doesn't pan out, I'll already have college. I'll go in as an officer or something. And then I became a libertarian in that time frame, And I was like, Oh shit, I'm so glad I didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, cause I was still like super, uh, hardcore nationalist, like pro military, like, uh, the best defense is a good offense kind of person, uh, at the time. So, uh, yeah, I guess we, I could, I could give cops a little bit more of a slack and, you know, Terrence is a good, uh, yeah. reason for that. So I mean, do- aside from Terrence, like in, in specific examples of cops when they are doing good things. Because even when I, I did post that, I did have a few people that were just that were being like, well, all cops are bad. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I, I, like I get it, like, in a sense. But, like, I'm giving you this specific example of an individual who clearly was not trying to fall, go along with the federal government and, and the or his local department, depending on how you want to view it, mm-hmm. uh, in, in how they were portraying things. And he was clearly trying to do the right thing, and you choose this time to be like, yeah, all cops are bad. Like, what? <laughs> like, at the very least, be like, all right, in this example, this one's at least trying to be good. Like, sure, yeah. you could say he's bad, but uh, it's like, I, come come on. Like, I get it in a certain sense, but if you're if you're looking in the example of when a cop is doing a good thing and then you go, all cops are bad, it's like, what are you? What purpose are you serving here? <laughs> like, like I, I get it in a sense when you see a see like someone getting uh getting taken to jail for this or that or. Or, or even if maybe there is some example of maybe them doing some smaller good thing. But when it's something like this that requires a ton of bravery, like he was very – one of the big things is he was clearly scared for his life. He One of the big things his ex-wife talked about, Tanya, was that 
shortly before his death, he was trying to do things like trying to get her to get remarried so that he she could get the life insurance. And but she wouldn't he wouldn't give her any specific examples. And there were other uh, other uh, examples of him, you know, clearly being afraid. Uh, in that letter I've referenced multiple times to his friend, he ba- very clearly told her the I believe it was some woman, uh, some friend of his. I, I maybe it was, man, woman doesn't make a difference. Either way, he was telling the individual that like kind of like hey, you should back off. And and I, I let like I've already taken enough. He kind of like don't get yourself you know and so he clearly knew he was in likely he was in some sort of danger Mm -hmm. and he was trying to keep other people distant so he was aware that he was really in some sense making possibly making one of the biggest sacrifices he could and he still pushed through so like in this example he genuinely was attempting heroism and he was the kind of guy that he actually didn't like when people called him a hero for his OKC stuff, like he was that kind of guy that was just like, mm-hmm. I was just doing my job. Yeah. Like he was a humble person and like he was genuinely just trying to do the right thing and brought in it with a lot on the line. So mm-hmm. to, it, it's one of those examples. Like I, I get it in theory. Yes, sure. But in this example, your point, this is the context of someone trying to do the right thing, a right thing with a lot on the line to himself. Yeah. So, it serves no purpose to try to condemn him for being a cop in that time. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, well, if he hadn't been there, he would just been another cop that was going along with the thing. I'm not saying he should have, he should have joined been a cop from the beginning, but in this specific example, he was a cop that had the intuition to do the right thing or, or the conviction to do the right thing. And he went that way. And if he hadn't been there, it would just probably been on some other cop that just fell in line and we wouldn't, uh, we likely wouldn't be in the place we are now with, you yeah. know, I'm sure, I mean, don't get me wrong, I guess maybe the OKC stuff would still be a thing that's happening, but Karen Tiki's a big hook for people to bring them in. Yeah. So I feel like it would probably, at some some extent, diminish it. So in mm-hmm. a certain sense, I think he's really contributed a lot to this just through his heroism. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I hope to continue that. Uh, you know, I, if, if I ever get any other big platforms, I still have that shirt and I'll still mm-hmm. try to do it. So... Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a wet dream of mine that his family, you may have seen that and, you know, gotten something out of it. I mean, he'd be even awesome if they reached out or something, uh, you know, but uh, I've never tried to contact them because, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure he probably could hunt them down, but it just feels weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. in the context of like I was implying with his wife was essentially harassed for and, and his family, too, was harassed for a long time. His ex-wife. Uh, his his family was also like essentially trying to push for justice for a long time as well, and they kind of all sort of just dropped off. And I'm not saying that to say that in a bad way because they were also being harassed and, ha- and so I can see why they would drop it because I don't know maybe they had still had kids whatever they didn't want to you know jeopardize things. And Tanya, his ex-wife, kept pushing it. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, I, I mean, obviously, you know, we don't hear from her any much anymore. So I'm assuming she at some point dropped it. But she there's a lot of uh, sources and specifically her about uh, the kind of harassment she received. And she did have I want to say it was two kids by Terry Terrence. So, like, you know, she had people to take care of. So I don't blame her at all yeah. for, you know, like stopping pushing the fight, because, I mean, it's one thing if it's just you. But if you have children, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm sure Terrence would have actually. Uh, preferred her you know not at all get involved because he probably wants his kids to stay safe but you know so yeah i mean they were they were still pushing they were still Mm -hmm. pushing for it and they were getting harassed despite it 
Yeah. There's a lot of weird stuff like uh, she was would experience like she would come home and I know one of the weirdest examples she she came in once and I believe her door was removed I think that or was wide open and there was a balloon in on her on her thing and there was like a note I forget what it said. It wasn't anything. It was kind of like one of those like coy things, like "Oh, I hope you're doing well" or something like. One of those things was kind of like a very, very thinly veiled threat, kind of like "Hey, we see you," and just weird shit like that for a long time. There's a lot of weird stuff in this case, mm-hmm. and they uh, they definitely tried to intimidate the family in a way that was like not overt. I mean, I guess it was overt, but not in a way that you could really be like oh, he's going to kill me, but more in like, oh, why do I keep seeing this guy everywhere I go? Kind of stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Like, so it, there's a lot of weird stuff to this case. And uh, and that he's not even the only person that's, uh, you know, essentially died. I was actually reading up a lot today on uh, Kenneth trying to do, uh, which, uh, because that will be my next edition I'll be doing on Wednesday. Uh, you know, I guess tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow I'll be, I'll be recording that one. It'll be only available for patrons. It'll go out publicly on Friday. Uh, but that that's the next part of this case I'll be covering is uh, Kenneth trying to do. And uh, the big thing with Kenneth is he was the guy who was suicided. And uh, I'm, I'm going to breeze past that a little bit for a second just to kind of get to why it ties into a larger narrative. Uh, but just take it from my word for now. Uh, I mean, if you want to dig hmm. into it, we can. This guy was suicided. But the weird thing about him is, is that he had a brother, Jesse, trying to do. And when Jesse got word of this and, and started digging into it, Jesse Trendy was essentially like a, a, a lawyer, and he it just so happened they killed the wrong person's brother. <laughs> and this guy still to this day, he's currently in court right now fighting for uh, in a FOIA court case. And he's been basically since then, you know, fighting that fight. And yeah. he, he is probably largely responsible for a, I don't know if I'd say a majority, but a large chunk of the stuff we have, we have found out about okc over the years uh you know like for example stuff like about the surveillance tapes about the fact that there were something like over 23 surveillance tapes uh in the murrah building location and at least two of them showed the bombing itself but all of them magically disappeared it's it's because of him that we know Mm. stuff like that and there's other stuff but because of his constant fight against them because they killed the wrong person's brother and he he fought that fight and that's why we do it it's kind of weird how things work out like that because Kenneth was actually a prisoner, uh, and you would think like kind of like a you know, he would not be the guy that would uh you know really set off the shit. If anything, you would think somebody like Terrence Hickey would be the one who really cracked it open and started causing problems for the feds. Like somebody mm-hmm. like him, like a sympathetic guy, like you know, let's be real, he's a black guy. Like there's definitely some points to be pulled there. He's he's a cop. He had he was a, he was a father. I mean, Kenneth was a father as well, but he was like a, a I think he was a felon. He was a mm-hmm. former heroin addict, I think. Uh, you know, but I believe that was actually as a result of his time in Vietnam, uh, you know, and so like you can tell one's more sympathetic than the other, but they just so happened to kill the wrong guy. And it it's what's kind of continuous today. And a lot of people are just following in Jesse's or, uh, Jesse's footsteps because of the because of the things he's done. Uh, he's who's drawn a lot of other people in here and, you know, basically blown a lot of this stuff wide open to where there is so much damning evidence about this. That's awesome. I mean, not no. that his brother got suicided, no. but like, I know, I know, if the government killed me, there's no one in my family that would be like yeah. in court twenty years from now. Maybe like yeah, the, real try quick, to get a little thing, quick check, yeah. but that's it. Yeah. The funny thing about it too is, uh, one of the biggest reasons why it's gone on for this long is because I forget which specific one, but he's been in constant court, like constant court battles. You know, whether it's for FOIA stuff, like he's even attempted criminal. 
He's tried, attempted civil. He's basically just like attacking all fronts all the time. He's also like hitting up political individuals. He's just all the. He's just like on every front trying to hit it. And at one at one point, I forget which specific one. He essentially, I don't know if it was a settlement or what it was, but he got a million dollars from the federal government. And, and I think they probably assumed that, like, okay, well, he'll just, he'll, he'll just stop now. He'll shut the fuck up. And for him, he was like, I got a million dollars to butt fuck you now, buddy. <laughs> like, so, like, he's just basically using that money to, like, kind of, like, you know, it, to help his cause even more. And it, it is kind of crazy. I actually uh, I shared today because uh, I was doing research uh, a speech he did, and it was, it was really powerful. It was about, like, probably a little less than 10 years ago, but even still you could tell, like, the rage in his voice and then also the sadness and it's just like yeah he he loved his brother and he was he hates the federal government for what they've done and he is going to he he said himself i will do this till the day i die (laughs) so jesse i don't know i'm excited i hope to get jesse on my show at some point but like i said he's currently in court so and then also on top of that with him being in court there's always the possibility of new information coming out because this story really does roll run so deep and tie into so many other things that it's insane. Like I alluded to with McVeigh earlier, mm-hmm. there is an aspect of the McVeigh thing where there is a possibility he could have been a government agent. Right. I mean, I want to caveat that most of this source, like most of this information, the source is McVeigh himself. Mm-hmm. So these are things McVeigh said, but it's still wild stuff. They're like, okay, well that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also precedent to it because, uh, like, I don't know if you've heard of PatCon. PatCon mm-hmm. was Patriot Conspiracy. is essentially, like, a, a, essentially the right-wing equivalent of COINTELPRO that mm-hmm. uh, isn't as well-known. And it seems to be he may have been involved in that. If you go deep down that, that rabbit, rabbit hole, uh, for example, he, he claimed to his sister, I believe his mother, and some other people as well, McVeigh, that because he, he was in the Gulf War. He claimed that he – how do I say this? He, he, he was in the Gulf War, and then when he came out, he went to go for special forces training. He, this is legit. He did do this. I forget which spe- specific special forces. Uh, and the official story is that he failed out because of his feet because he kind of hurt himself while he was over in the in – the, uh, wait, it was a de- – not Gulf, Desert Storm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, uh, he kind of hurt himself during that period in time, and he wasn't able to continue training. What he told his family in letters uh, that I believe you can actually find is he told them that what actually happened is he got pulled aside and they said kind of like, hey, buddy, uh, you kind of – you're exactly what we're looking for. We would like to take you on for this other thing, kind of off the books thing. Uh, the official story will be that you're not in the military anymore. But really, we're going to have you do all sorts of covert operations off the books. To, so basically to everyone else in the world you were you're not in the military anymore but you're still going to do our bidding and hmm. i mean once again he could just be a crazy person right. but there's also the fact of this is basically what he told his attorneys whenever he first got caught after the oklahoma city bombing as well mm-hmm. and then it makes it weird that then shortly after that then he changed his story to his attorneys and then he started going with the official narrative but even then during that time while he was spouting the official narrative to other people like prisoners and stuff he was still spouting what he was saying before so it was like at some point i don't know maybe somebody got to him and say hey man you need to fall in line he Mm -hmm. also told other prisoners that he was going to because he he, for those who don't know he got killed via the death penalty uh, or via chemical injection or whatever 
he was telling people that they were going to get him out, that he was he was not going to die. Uh, and that's actually a big conspiracy. A lot of people think he – some people think he didn't actually die. I'm of the opinion he probably did die because mm-hmm. uh, it's like – Maybe they're pretty is. good at tying up loose ends. Like, yeah, he's so, like, not that important of a person. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was an asset. If they did tell him, like, "Hey, man, we got you. Just keep saying the official narrative what we want you to say, and we're gonna get you out of there. We'll pull a switcheroo or whatever." And he'd be like, "Okay, gotcha." And then they just kill him anyways. Cause <laughs> it's like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> right. So, but, how did yeah. you so, first hear about all of this stuff? Uh, what? I mean, I kind of all knew little bits and pieces, but it was never really anything that sucked me in. And I never really knew of, like, a wider story. I knew there seemed to be some sort of fuckery, maybe. But really pulled me in. I don't know if you know a Jinx, at Crack Connoisseur on Twitter. He actually just got his account back recently. Mm-hmm. But uh, I saw a Terrence Heakey edit he made, uh, which if you look at uh, on my Twitter account, at Tower Gang Jose, uh, the, and I have, like, a master thread I kind of made after my Timcast appearance. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you go through there, I put it in there the specific one that kind of got me intrigued and it was just an edit that uh are you looking for it right now to bring it up uh it'd be but um anyways um yeah i found that and it just that i something about it it just tugged my heartstrings and it also just kind of intrigued me like what the fuck like because you 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 read that and like or you see that video and it kind of gives you a quick little encapsulation of all the different things that i mentioned to you earlier but in a mm-hmm. quick little like two three minute video with with music and stuff and it's like whoa like that happened and then you're like what is this about and i didn't even know anything about the large okc story and then i started like then i kind of looked into yiki and then i started looking into it more and at some point i was just like you know i already had a podcast this time and i was kind of like well shit i kind of want to look into this and i don't know how specifically i think i might put out like a tweet like hey who should i get for the okc thing and then like uh I don't know, it might have been Scott Horton or Adam Fitzgerald or somebody was like Richard Booth. And uh, for those who don't know, Richard Booth is basically Scott Horton uh, of the Libertarian Institute's OKC guy. Like they have, if you go to the Libertarian Institute, there is a OKC, Oklahoma City bombing archive there on libertarianinstitute.org, I believe. And uh, yeah, there's a whole archive there where he's basically been compiling all the different documents and everything. So if you really want to do deep digging, like with the sources and stuff, that's where it's at on the Libertarian Institute. And the guy, like basically that is all Richard Booth. And so that's like Scott Horn's OKC guy. And that is the guy I got for this. And originally I only intended on doing like one episode or so. And then as I started doing it, I realized like, holy shit, this goes deep. And then it's like, now we're about to do part eight tomorrow. And there'll probably be maybe one or two more. And even then, with possibly other updates in the future, depending on when new information drops, because there's always, like, with Jesse constantly on his uh, battle and trying to get more information, mm-hmm. there's also more, like, confirmed information that comes out. So we get to the point where some things are no longer speculation or now confirmed, or it straightens out some facts, or just new stuff. You're like, holy shit, I didn't know about this connection. Uh, it, it, it really is. It, it sounds nuts, uh, but it's this is, like... Uh, all stuff that's like backed up by backed up by like sources uh i was about to say legit sources but i guess like i said there's always differing levels of credibility to every source like i mentioned with the mcveigh thing like mm-hmm. you kind of got to take that with a grain of salt like the the stuff with him being government agent because it's like these are things he said yeah. but now if you place them in the context of the things that are happening it makes you wonder like well that's weird right like it's convenient like for example one thing i pointed out one of the things he's uh, in one of my ep- one of the episodes that I thought was weird. I pointed out that 
uh, one of the things, uh, and this is after Booth told me, one of the things that McVeigh uh, said uh, that is that he was going to be in this like special, you know, off the books unit or whatever. One of the things he was going to be doing was essentially assisting the feds with drug smuggling operations, and place this in the context of like the mid '90s. Nowadays, mm. we know that is a thing that's happened. Like we yeah. know the like anyone who pays the slightest bit of attention to like these conspiracy stuff uh, knows that it's like a confirmed fact. It's not even conspiracy. Like people, I mean, I say conspiracy cons- like because it, it has this negative aspersion to it, but like or a negative connotation to it, but. Um, like, I guess it is a conspiracy, but it is con- basically a confirmed fact at this point that the feds have in the past on multiple occasions used, like, drug smuggling operations to fund off-the-book stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was a thing McVeigh said in the mid-'90s. Yeah. This is right after he got picked up. This was stuff he was saying, like, a defense attorney. I think it might have been, like, the cops that picked him up and stuff. So it's like, like, that sounds like, you know, if someone said that in today – when they got picked up, they were like, okay, well, they just heard that shit, and they're just saying crazy person stuff. Right. But in the mid-'90s, there was no precedent for that. Uh, I mean, maybe there were some people talking about that here and there, but that was, like, crazy town stuff because that wasn't, like, confirmed stuff in the mid-'90s. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, common knowledge that the feds do that kind of stuff. For some guy to be saying shit like that, you're like, it's a weird thing to just say. Like, you know, that you were, you know, doing drug smuggling operations with the feds. Like, what a weird thing to say yeah. in the mid-'90s. And that was a thing he was saying. And now we know today that's real. He was also basically essentially describing what was PatCon, which we didn't know then. And now we know now. So it's kind of like, I don't think he said it by name, but it's it, a lot of stuff you place in the context of that's weird. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not confirmation, but it's yeah. weird yeah. <laughs> at the very least. Yeah. You bring up, uh, honestly one of the questions that i i had down a little bit later but uh like how do you go about finding you know credible sources that aren't the typical credible sources because obviously most of what you would consider to be a credible source is gonna tell you exactly the the typical narrative well for me that's easy i just go to richard booth (laughs) (laughs) i mean unironically yes but then he tells me and Mm -hmm. then he'll be like and I'll ask him because like, you'll see if you watch my series, I will like he'll br- I mean, most of the time he will just offer up the source himself. But there'll be times of like, well, where'd you get that from? And then he'll be like this. I'm like, OK. And a lot of these stuff are things that like different researchers have collected over, over the years. Or these are legit FBI documents that people have gotten a hold of or there are things that have been found through FOIA requests. There, there's all sorts of stuff. And these are all like I said, they're all on the uh, the Oklahoma City uh bombing uh, archive on the libertarian institute so it's all there so these, all these sources are there and now every source isn't created equal just like i said now like uh, a foia request document you receive it probably has more weight to it than uh and even then you still need to process that with the fact of like well this is something the feds gave to us willingly so how much credibility can we give to it like mm-hmm. you still got to use some rationality but that has more weight to it than something timothy mcveigh said and this is why i usually try to always mention that when i mention the possibility of mcveigh being a you know some sort of gov- or asset mm-hmm. because it's like that's not really it's not that's not bulletproof at all that's just something he said yeah. but if you place it in the larger context it makes it it, it raises eyebrows at the very least I, I lean towards that to being the case but i, I would it, it wouldn't like bother me if somebody's like that's not the case because there's mm-hmm. still plenty of other stuff i'm like okay well either way there were other people who were clearly feds involved 
that uh so if he wasn't a fed he was being manipulated by feds mm -hmm. so <laughs> either way it's kind of like all right whatever it's just a matter of how deep does this go yeah um and wasn't he like a suspected mk ultra victim or am i mixing up my conspiracies uh i think i know what you're getting at i someone was implying to me today I, I don't know if there was new or yesterday or something like one well, of the past few days that there was some new information that came out that seemed to be that he was he had something to do with Jolly West, but I don't know about that, so I'm not going to speak on that. So there might be more information because someone implied that somewhere. I haven't got a chance to look into that. Okay. Uh, but I do know that he did uh, he did meet with some psychologist, psychiatrist. I always mix the two up. I don't know which, but someone who was of the MK alt like. Someone who was associated with the MK Ultra program, and I, I mentioned Jolly West. I don't know if you Jolly West because Jolly West is mm -hmm. like basically that's like if anyone knows anything about MK Ultra, that's like the MK Ultra guy that people most people know in association with him. But Jolly West also did uh, he did meet with a bunch of the victims, so he was involved. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said a minute ago, I, there someone was implying something that maybe Jolly West was actually involved in the J. I don't know. I, I have to look at that. But what I currently know is that Jolly West didn't meet with McVeigh. That's what I know at the moment. There might be more. He didn't meet with McVeigh, but essentially kind of like borderline one of his protégés, one of the other people involved in the MK Ultra program did. Mm -hmm. But Jolly West himself met with like multiple people, uh, multiple uh, you know, victims of the bombing that you know, kind of survived type thing, uh, mm -hmm. you know, survivors or whatever, uh, to help with trauma and stuff like that. Because that's his thing. He's an MK Ultra guy. He's, he's a trauma specialist, which right. sounds good until you realize, like, okay, but you know, the whole MK Ultra thing was manipulating trauma. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that's kind of one of the uh, one of the big aspects of it. It's kind of like, well, how do we use trauma and get it to induce the psychological effect we want? Yeah. Uh, so. I don't do with that what you will. That's another one of those things just weird. Uh, hmm. You know, like you can't really, there's nothing really that I know of that you can really, any, any strong conclusions you can draw from that other than that's weird. Jolly West mm -hmm. also, if I remember correctly, met with Jack Ruby of JFK, uh, uh, JFK lore. Uh, you know, he's the guy who shot uh, Har Harvey Lee Oswald, mm -hmm. uh, Jack Ruby. Uh, and uh, uh, I believe Jolly West met with him. And I'm not as as strong on NJFK, so I might be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure. So you know. it's crazy but, how yeah. much of these tie in, especially in the like '70s through '90s era. Uh, you know, it's it's very clear how deep a lot of this consp like conspiracy, not in the like bad connotation way, but just the like you know a bunch of people conspiring uh like definition like this conspiracy it ran deep but not that like wide because there's so many people that are just in all of them or at least like very closely related you're like two or three connections away from almost every weird thing that happened in that era and it's pretty much just like entirely the cia like it's just yeah, CIA, FBI, some combination, whatever, mm -hmm. just feds. <laughs> yeah. There's almost no point in differentiating the two. You know, yeah. like there were the, in the OKC thing, there were a ton of FBI ties. There were some loose ATF ties because obviously you're trying to blow up the ATF building. It seems mm -hmm. like the ATF probably wasn't super involved aside from the fact that it was their building probably getting blown up. There's some loose CIA ties. There's even some loose Israel ties, but although it's like, I don't. I know a lot of people, uh, there are a lot of people get really caught up in the Israel ties in this, but I, I'm of the opinion there's nothing that's really, like, super strong that you can really run with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for so far as Israel. But 
FBI, it's super strong, and then CIA is a little less strong, but there's definitely some CIA ties there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, MK Ultra was the thing that like uh, flipped me from a libertarian to an anarchist, or like one of the one of the like half a dozen things that happened in like a month span that like pushed me over the edge was like really digging deep into that one, and then like how it kind of spiderwebs out, and that was that was the first time that I even heard anything about the OKC bombing. Like obviously I knew that it happened, and I knew McVeigh's name kind of sorta. But obviously not well enough because I said William instead of Timothy at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you get caught up with the names. I, I I was on a podcast a while ago and I was a there's a character one of the characters in the OKC thing is uh, I believe Michael Brescia and I believe I confused him with Richard Lee Guthrie. It is it is hard to keep up. Well, especially when you get in these realms where it really is tied up in names and facts and dates and sources. Mm-hmm. It is hard to keep that shit straight. So I, I do try to – that's why it's nice to have an expert that, uh, that way I can be like, hey, if I fuck up, whatever. I'm not that – I'm not the expert. Right. <laughs> go, go listen to him. I'm just kind of like trying to parrot what he said. <laughs> so what inspired you to like really dig deep and put out this like – 10 hours of content which by the way for people watching it is in the description the link to the playlist so like as soon as you're done with this just click on that and watch it all through i know i was just genuinely interested and the more i found out the more i was like holy shit like like don't get me wrong like i've been familiar with conspiracies and stuff like that and gone down different rabbit holes like whoa that's weird whoa that's crazy but this one i'm like and and there's something about the oklahoma city one where it was like there is so much there and it's so undercovered that you're like, what, why? It's like, how did I not know? Like, how is this not everywhere? Like Mm -hmm. what, what the fuck? Like, like, uh, like you brought up MK ultra, like, like most people know about MK ultra, but -hmm. they don't know like a ton about it, but it's at least like you can just usually walk up to, I'd say, I don't know, maybe a little less than half people out there and you go MK ultra. And I'll be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. They know, they know what you mean. Yeah. Whereas if I go, uh, I mean, I guess I can't think of a quick term. Uh, if I say PatCon to somebody, they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Now, like, uh, or, or any other, like, thing like that. Or if I say a- Andy Strassmeyer, you're like, what? what? Like, that, and there's, yeah. yeah, and so, like, there's so much stuff that you're like, and once you start digging into it, it gets very clear that at the, like, it, to me, it's bulletproof, like, that there was a cover-up. And I think it's... <laughs> Any rational person who looks at – I think most rational people, if they dig into this and, and find out about all this stuff, they'll think they'll think it, it also that it's a, almost certainly a basically straight up probably a red flag of some sort to some degree. Like yeah. I, I always caveat it because it's like now to what level? Because you know, when you're dealing with like informants who have handlers and, or, and like let's – like for example, let's say McVeigh wasn't an actual federal – like some sort of informant or agent or whatever and say he was being manipulated by – informants or feds or whatever like okay well maybe he changed plans at the last minute maybe they were going to stop him you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so it's like did the, what to what level was the intentionality or even then let's say one of the people in some at some level made some change you know because some agency told me this and the other agency wasn't talking to the other it's not always as simple as just like they did it or they didn't there, there's varying levels of and it's so it's but at the very least, it was a cover-up, and I think there, it likely was intentional to some level. Mm-hmm. Now, at what level, I don't know. And by when I say intentional, intentional by government in some form. So, you know, I, I don't know. 
maybe it was a rogue informant, rogue fed. Who knows? I, I don't know. That's kind of what we're trying to dig down to. I, yeah. I mean, I lean towards that it was a, um, it was essentially like a Northwoods type thing. Yeah. That's what I lean towards, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, or Operation Gladio, which is what Northwoods over in Europe, essentially, mm-hmm. that actually happened. I want to say Italy, but I can't remember. That is a thing that happened, uh, you know, Operation Gladio. So people out there go look into it. That was basically where they did Northwoods over in Europe. They actually implemented it. Whereas mm-hmm. supposedly over here in the United States, Northwoods got slapped down. At least that's what they tell us, hmm. uh, you know. So I don't know. Right. Uh, I, I think it was a... Oh, fun fact, the Andre- Andreas- Andy Strassmeyer character told me, Andreas Strassmeyer, uh, that was one of McVeigh's associates, likely. They had been met multiple times, and it seems to be they had also been spotted like before the bomb shortly at a strip club together. Uh, he was a German national. He, um, he was a son of a powerful politician. He was trained in counterintelligence in the German military. He also did some time helping out the is Israel on their security patrol. That's where the Israel connection, one of the Israel connections, mm. one of the kind of. It's, but there's not a whole lot you can draw from that. Like I said, yeah. uh, you know, this is more just kind of drawing what kind of a weird character this guy is. He was fluent in German, Hebrew, and English. Uh, he then uh, ended up in the United States. He, the first person he lived with, was a, a CIA agent or former CIA agent. And that I forget, I forget the guy's name, but that CIA agent was someone who was involved in Operation Phoenix in Vietnam, and which was essentially once again a Gladio Northwoods type thing in Vietnam. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe it was while we were doing like you know the Vietnam War type stuff, where they were essentially perpetrating acts of terror on uh, you know certain targets, you know assassinations, bombings, what have you, to be able to orchestrate the public to get a certain desire they wanted. Or certain uh, towards a certain end they, they wanted, and that was what that CIA agent he was with did. Like that was he was part of that, and he also made multiple uh, references to how he'd like to he was wanting to sort of do the same thing here of some sort. Now, what does he mean by that? I don't know. Um, and that's the first guy Andre, Andy Strassmeyer lived with, uh, and he lived with him for a while, and then he ended up mo- moving to Texas and lived with another former CIA agent who uh, that one I think is I want to say David Holloway but I might be wrong so don't get me so don't get upset if I get wrong anyone out there and he lived with him and that guy the 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 you know Holloway character if I have the name right he uh, was one of the people who had founded a militia in Texas and Andy Strassmeyer became part of that militia and I believe it was not too long after that he got kicked out of that militia cuz people thought he was a provocateur I forget the specifics. Essentially, someone tailed him and saw him doing weird, uh, fishy fed stuff. I believe going to some sort of federal building or something. And yeah, and then he left mm. there. And then he ended up in Elohim City, which is anyone who knows the OKC stuff pretty well. Elohim City was the big hub of like where all this stuff came from, uh, because there's a big aspect of like what it's essentially was a compound where a bunch of like white supremacists were at in Oklahoma. Mm. And a lot of these people were tied into it. And he became the security director for the compound, Andrew Strassmeyer. And shortly after, he changed out all their legal, like, semi-automatic weapons and stuff like that. Not all of them, but a lot of them out for illegal weapons. And then he started preaching about how they need to be more offensive in nature (laughs) and stuff like that. And, you know, lo and behold, this guy ends up being seen with uh, Timothy McVeigh and stuff like that. So there's your strong CIA connections. He also, while he was there in the States was receiving like a $2,000 a month uh, 
in the mid nineties from, I believe it was hallway himself. That was how he was living was off of that money. Uh, and yeah. And then shortly after the bombing, he, he ran away back to Germany again. <laughs> so yeah, and there's a lot of weird mm. stuff with Andy Strasmeyer. Like it's, it's really hard to just try to condense. And this is why I did 10 hours of it. Cause this stuff is like, I'm sure someone not knowing the book could say, hearing me spout this stuff up. is like, what the fuck? Like yeah. I'm just spouting these things, but this is why I did like 10 hours of it. Cause we explored all of these things like fully. And I'm just trying to spout them off quick and I, like as things come to my mind. But I, yeah. It, sorry. Uh, I think going into this, I knew maybe 15% of what you've said so far. So I'm also kind of in a what the fuck and need to finish the rest of uh, the playlist uh, in the yeah. next couple of days. Because um, <laughs> Jesus, uh, I, I have very rarely actually dug deep into any of the like crazy things i kind of just skim and understand sort of kind of an overview of what they did and just kind of like go from there and if it's like in a tv show or something like that i might like get interested about it but uh like mk ultra is probably the only one that i've really like dug deep into but like I know the names and I can kind of like get a, a generalization, but this one's one that like in preparation for today, I, I at least started to dig a little bit more into. And I was just like, I, I realized about an two hours before we started this, uh, doing a little bit more research. I'm like, fuck, some of these questions are going to be impossible to answer in any reasonable amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm like. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just trying to like get off the bullet points, but it, there is so much it, it it is wild and mm -hmm. like it i get what you mean because like i know what you mean like me and you i'm sure we brought we have like a feeling we see something like for example the big uh the the covid thing with the the big thing lately was the wuhan lab thing now basically mm -hmm. it's borderline been confirmed it was a lab leak essentially i forget the specifics of why but for us we were already ahead of that we're like yeah it was probably a lab leak yeah okay mm -hmm. like but and so we kind of have this air of like so this is why we don't really dig deep into these things but this one is like one of those things where there are so many like, what the fuck? Like, why this was the, this was the uh, largest before 9/11. This was the biggest terrorist attack on the in the United States, I believe, like mm -hmm. ever. So like, and and then it's like, and there's so many things that just aren't these like things people know about. Like with 9/11, there are so many people go into it. Like yeah. like that's a big hot topic. That was a huge thing for some some time. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, people went in weird kooky territory, but. Like, for some reason, Oklahoma City, like, it was, like, it's not in the consciousness like that. And I also think, like, I, I don't I think it was, like, shortly after the, or around the same time they started getting into it, the Michigan stuff ha started happening. Mm. And that for some reason, that really, like, to me, like, I just, like, you said, all these things tie together. And it really is just, like, oh, shit. Like, once you start understanding how these do these, do these things and you see in other like, especially with the informant aspects and how these things work. Like, obviously, I know they didn't actually, like, end up committing some sort of act of terror in the whole the Gretchen, the, the Michigan governor kidnapping plot thing. Mm -hmm. But it is, like, you can kind of see hallmarks. Like, once you start identifying these patterns, you can be like, whoa. Once you start realizing how informants operate and how these things work, you start piecing things together. And it, mm -hmm. I don't know, for me, it, it really is one of those ones, like, I, I know what you mean. Like, I have never was one to really go too deep into these ones. But once I started digging in, I was like, holy shit and it was like these are things that need to get out there because it's like I know, that's why it was to me such a big deal to like go on timcast and 
I know I only got to spit out like a couple minutes. I did a little bit more in the after show where we talked about it a little bit. Never really went deep into it, but I mean that's what the show is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't expecting to do an hour or even or even ten minutes on OKC. I knew that I was going to be able to maybe get a few bullet points. If I got lucky, I could tie in some maybe some points that we talked about during the episode into it. I knew that w- that was going to happen, but at the very least, I knew I could get it out there. And yeah. it was like because I knew this is one of those things that if you can start to get out there, this is like once people start seeing some of this stuff, they're be like, what? Because I know the stuff I just said is crazy. But once people start seeing like sources and realizing, oh, this isn't bullshit. Like this stuff, this dude's not just a crazy guy. Like this is legit. And it's <laughs> not like this stuff to where it's like, oh, just trust me. Or, oh, 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 but like if you read the tea leaves this way, you're like, no, like here's the source. Here's this guy. Here's that guy. Like here's this dude who died. Like, mm-hmm. and like under the most ridiculous of circumstances, like uh, the Jesse Trinity or the Kenneth Trinity I was talking about earlier that kind of brought in Jesse. He had uh, there were two, um, there were multiple people associated with his case that died conveniently before they went to court over it, hmm. uh, you know, because Jesse brought them to court. Uh, there were two prisoners who said they heard uh, Kenneth Trinity being uh, what sounded like tortured and beaten and like screams and all sorts of stuff. And they, uh, they told Jesse this, you know, Kenneth's brother who was uh, trying to fight for him. And they were one of them uh, died of a OD conveniently. And the other one died of a suicide conveniently. Uh, Mm. This was before they were due to go to court. (laughs) And there was also a videographer uh, that was, I forget what case he was involved in. He was another individual who uh, he, uh, he found that it was weird that a lot of the the videos went missing. And then when he discovered this, like the videos of the prison uh, where this occurred at went missing. And then he shortly after the feds came to him were basically kind of like, Hey, shut the hell up essentially in short form. And then he still, and even uh, despite that went to Kenneth Kenneth or to Jesse trying to do to kind of be like, Hey, I'm, I will testify about this. And then shortly after he died of a heart attack. Which, I mean, don't be wrong, and I even kind of caveated that, like, you know, I guess he could have naturally died of a heart attack, but it's just kind of convenient that all these people uh, kind of just dropped dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a huge body count on these kinds of things that, like, it it really, I, I feel like that's what makes these types of things, like, real for mm-hmm. a lot of people uh, is when you start getting into, like, the people that get suicided uh, and, like, you know, something like operation northwood something that like you know was just like a terrible thing that was thought up and then supposedly at least you know shot down all within the government like like there's i i don't know maybe i just haven't dug deep enough on there on that one but like no there's not a whole lot of like court testified and like you know suicided people going on with that one or like operation paperclip or something like that where like when you get into like mk ultra people that are just like conveniently getting thrown out of hotel windows uh that like at a force that no one could jump at but it's like a suicide and he jumped um you know when those types of things start coming up and they're like they had to kill people to keep this quiet uh, it wasn't just uh, whoops that was a bad idea we won't do that uh, or even whoops that was a bad idea sorry we did that it's like no this cannot get out we have to and we're gonna kill people over it yeah uh, it's it makes it a lot more real uh, but I want to ask like what what kind of a reaction have you gotten 
since making like the playlist and then you know being able to to give the shout out on Timcast, have you had a lot of people kind of hit you up with that like holy shit i didn't hear about any of this yeah i don't think i've gotten i don't think i've ever gotten that i can think of any really negative uh you know reactions or kind of like hey it sounds like crazy stuff if anything it is i've gotten a ton of people like whoa i didn't know all this this is nuts i'm not like i'm just now looking this now so yeah i mean i i it's been really cool getting that you know uh, that response, you know, people actually digging into it and starting to like be like, holy moly, because I know this is something that happened in the mid 90s, but this is kind of how these things work is these things like, you know, with like you mentioned MK Ultra or just like really any of these things, it always takes a long time before this, the truth starts to trickle out and we start to mm-hmm. go put narratives together. Like the JFK just stuff, just like a lot of that stuff just rebubbled up again recently where it's like it's. It's now most now the normal person is like, yeah, CIA definitely had some part in it. And but that wasn't the case before. And that's kind of how it is. Like, and and the problem is, like, you got to stay on these things. And like, that's why it's like, I think with something like OKC, it's almost like the time is almost kind of like now ish because Mm -hmm. like, like this is the this is when like we're at a point to where a lot of this stuff has come together and the stories have the facts have conglomerated in a way to where we're like, Hey, this is damning. Like, mm-hmm. like in the, in the, this happened in the mid 90s. So there are, there are people probably still in the government that probably had some part in this that are, you know, in the government or at least still alive. So it's like, there are people that still can be held to account for this. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's honestly, I mean, I guess I haven't been too worried for my safety, but there is some aspect of it's like, I don't know. There's, there are still people out there that are like, holy shit. And it, it could, but if anything for me, that makes me want to just go harder because mm-hmm. it's like, and not in a way that I'm saying that like I'm some hero or some shit. It's like, well, I'm already here. So I may as well get the word out. Cause if anything, but the biggest thing to keep me safe is like getting a larger bullhorn. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause it's like, it's more like, Hey, like well, that's, if, if something happens to me and I've been saying stuff or something like that, then it, then it becomes more suspicious and less likely to. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it is, it is wild how these things work. Yeah. yeah. And I, I did want to bring up a point cause I, I do think there is some spe- special thing about the Oklahoma city bombing because of the time it occurred. And if you look at it in the context of where our technology was and where it is now, we were, I think the feds were kind of sloppy or the government in general was sloppy because it was the mid nineties. And they had been doing shit. Like, you look at the JFK stuff and stuff like that, and it's like, that happened in what? When did JFK happen? I forget exactly. It was at 50, 60, something like that. It was a long time ago. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, that sounds right. Like So, yeah, yeah, like late 50s. So that's why I thought 60s. It was closer to 60, too. Uh, but, like, it was at a time to where, like, there we don't have the technology we have now. But in the mid-90s, yes, we don't have the technology we have now in the mid-90s, but we did, like... I don't know. Did we have, I think we had like dial up at that time. I believe we had, mm. we had, there was like cameras, there were videotapes, there were all sorts of stuff. Technology was at a place that it wasn't before. Mm. And I think the feds had probably were complacent, but the problem is we didn't have what we have now. Like things like the internet to the way it is now where ideas spread, where groups are able to come together and put together different ideas and make them, you know, put different narratives, piece together things like we are now. So the pieces are, were still out there. They were available. It was just a matter of 
getting them together and then spreading them. And where I think there's something to that. I think, like I said, I think their complacency came in place. Whereas, let's say the feds did like an OKC type thing. There was like assuming the feds did it, obviously. Like let's say they did some event, or they had a cover up, or they were had informants, or whatever. Had something like that. This is why something like the Michigan thing is a good example because, mm-hmm. in some ways, I mean, it's not a perfect one for one, obviously. But it's like if you look at the fallout from that now, it's like anyone who paid attention to that story is like they know that it was like, holy shit, that was like entirely the feds, yep. entirely the feds, like the people there really didn't even do anything wrong mm-hmm. and they're getting hemmed up. And that wasn't even something as ballsy as like an OKC. So if they try, if if the powers that be tried to pull off something like that now, I don't they would have to go about it in a different way. Yeah. They wouldn't be able to be as blatant or as sloppy as about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas they were at a point in the mid nineties where they were blatant and sloppy about it, but they probably shouldn't have been, they weren't as savvy to the way things, you know, the, the, the technology was available and the technology that would be available in the future mm-hmm. to where it like kind of piece these things together. And I, I think there's something to that. Uh, personally, I, 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 that, I really, that's why I think it is like such a holy shit. Because it is so blatant and so damning once you really start digging into these things. Like, holy fuck. And, like, more so than most things. Yeah. What do you make of the fact that, like, a lot of these things are getting confirmed by the, like, agencies that did them? Uh, Like, I feel like at a much faster pace and, uh, like, you know, the, the Michigan thing, for example. Like, we have confirmed from the FBI that like some of these people were their informants, like, like they've almost fully admitted to it as far as it like being confirmed and like the, the mainstream narrative now, like even like CNN, I think did an article about it. Like, uh, I feel like it's, there's something fishy about that. Like it's, it feels good, but it also like feels weird. I almost feel like they're trying to just desensitize us to the entire idea of most of these things. And, like, I don't know, have you seen the show Inside Job? I have not, no. Um, would definitely recommend. It's hilarious as shit, but it's it's clearly, like, a mockery of conspiracy theorists. Uh, but it, some of it is, like, really out there, like, they admit full on to it. And then there's a lot of other stuff that they're, like, uh, they, like, either sidestep or, you know... Uh, don't really mention or like actually are like oh no that was somebody else uh but like you know jfk they fully admit to mk ultra they fully admit to uh but like you know obviously there's nothing about like the move bombing or okc or anything like that you know none of the there's a whole lot of like still kind of hushed up stuff um but i i don't know i i feel like it there's something weird and almost negative about how okay people are with the idea of some of this stuff that is just like oh yeah the government did chemical and like drug tests on on unwilling humans and then like may or may not have made them crazy enough to become domestic terrorists to like carry out some of these other awful things and like blah 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 oh well they just yeah. go on with their normal life i mean i think there's some aspect of it to where like they kind of have to, to some extent, release some information. There's also probably, like, maybe a limited hangout type aspect where, like, I don't know, let's say in the future the feds come out and they say, 
um, yeah, there was a, there was, they imply there was some sort of cover up or something like they're obviously never going to full on be like, yep, here's the people, what they did and, and, you know, divulge everything. But it's kind mm-hmm. of like, to some extent they save face, especially when you have public outcry. There is some awesome, uh, some aspect of to where like they kind of almost can't help it. Cause while you know, me and you are anarchists, there is some aspect of to where the government doesn't like there are different agencies and this is kind of the checks and balances thing to where you have the courts and stuff. And sometimes you do get people in there that do are able to make things happen certain ways. And it's not like this perfect entity that works together perfectly. So the idea that like that you would be able to completely keep a lid on everything is a little bit silly. Like uh, mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff that has uh, come out has been be- due to Jesse Trendu. Like I really mentioned earlier, a lot of it has been like FOIA stuff, like freedom of information act stuff. And uh, even then, he had to fight tooth and nail for it. Because the way FOIA is supposed to work is you're supposed to make a request. You're supposed to get it unless there's some legitimate reason, like a legitimate reason, not just some bullshit. Mm-hmm. And even then, they, like uh, Richard Booth actually just dropped an article or had an article published at Libertarian Institute, I believe today. I believe it's today that kind of went into this and how, uh, how, like, the, how the feds do this kind of stuff. And like with the FOIA, well, they'll drag their feet. They'll be like, okay, well, here's a FOIA request for this, this, and this. And sometimes they just won't a bullshit reason. But what you can do is you can fight it in court, you, in, which is what Jesse did. And But most people aren't going to do that because it's like how bad do you really want this little tidbit of information? Do you really want to spend tens of, or hundreds of thousands of dollars in the pursuit of this one little tiny thing? Uh, probably not. Now, if you're somebody like him with a bone to pick and a million dollars to do it, you know, it's a different story. Yeah. But even then, even despite that, they'll drag feet. They'll be like, hey, I want all information pertaining this, this, and this. And then they'll just drag their feet or not give you everything you need. And then you have to go to another court battle to make them look silly. But Jesse is savvy and he's and he would do shit like where he would get – he would actually do stuff where he would like get the information he actually wanted from outside sources and request it from them just to make them look fucking stupid so that he could like just smear in their face to be like, well, here's what I found on my own and you guys are fucking lying. I know you have it cause I have it here and mm-hmm. I have received this from outside sources and stuff like that. Like, so like there are ways to use these apparatuses to your advantage, but it's like the normal, like somebody like a Jesse Trendu is a very much an outlier mm-hmm. cause it's that, that is very, very rare that you're going to like kill the wrong person and then end up someone's like, you know what? This is my life's work now to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I have the skill and the, uh, the money to do it. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, it is a rare occasion. So it's stuff like that that does make these things happen. And uh, I mean, there, there's something to be said about that. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's, I mean, about, it's not easy. The only sales pitch I've ever heard for becoming a lawyer. <laughs> The only one that would ever work on me yeah. is like, yeah, you if you get a family member Jesse killed Trinidad? by the federal government, like, yeah, <laughs> you want to spend your entire life in court, but for good instead of this <laughs> bullshit that most people are here for. Yeah, uh, man. Uh, so I I feel like there's there's like two different ways that people come into the the kind of like larger liberty movement and like. I, I know I personally was more of like an issues based, uh, like s- very slow, gradual process of like, uh, and the more I realized that like specific libertarian policy positions were correct, I would m- like learn a few more things and maybe look into a couple of these other things. 
but then there's i feel like a whole other sect that like heard one of these stories whether it be okc or mk ultra or 911 or something like that like went deep down the rabbit hole of a quote-unquote conspiracy theory and went holy shit the government's evil and i'm an anarchist now <laughs> uh which which kind of side of the coin did you follow more of i i mean i don't, I don't know i just kind of for me i kind of started i had a i mean like i said i was active for 11 years and then i just i always had i've always had someone as a i had a large commute because most military bases are kind of like in city areas mm -hmm. and uh i don't know i never really liked living that close to base uh so and my when i met my wife she lived like an hour away and so i moved in with her and uh you know so i always had a commute and so over time like i used to listen to music a lot and then i just started getting into, like podcasts and i think i started with like kind of you're like I, I was more of like a conservative kind of libertarian-ish kind of like in a generic way but not, not anyone with any strong convictions but i just had time and i was like you know what might as well learn i guess because i'm bored and i have a long commute you get bored with music after a while mm -hmm. so you kind of i think i started with like the shapiros the rubens the crowders and and then over time i don't remember if it was rogan or what then i found dave smith and then i listened to him for a long time and then, you know, I, I, I wasn't even like a guy who really read much of that time. Like, uh, you know, it's, most people don't, you know, don't really read. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even even right now, I don't read nearly as much as I should. Although I guess I'm always, you know, listening to a podcast or reading some article or trying to read this book or that. I guess I'm always doing something like that, you know, some intellectual endeavor. But, I mean, a lot of that is, an, is a, uh, you know, something that cropped out of having a podcast. But either way, um, I listened to Dave Smith for a long time. And I, I did start, sort of also around that time start getting a little bit back into reading. Uh, you know, uh, I also I was kind of always into comic books a, a decent amount. Um, you know, that's kind of what kind of brought me to reading. And then I got more into reading more actual stuff like theory and stuff. And it was Dave Smith that you know I, I was like definitely kind of got to the point where I was like a full on minarchist. And then like he was always some of the anarchist shit, and I was kind of like I don't know, I don't know. And then he would always talk about anatomy of the state. And at one point I was kind of like you know what. I'm going to read this book and I read it and then I legit after it was like, holy shit. <laughs> like I read that book. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, that's right. Like dude is like right on point. Mm -hmm. And it was like that book that I was like, yeah. Cause like I heard all these arguments, but like it would always be this like cognitive dissonance where I could be like, well then I would revert to this other argument and this mm -hmm. other argument and it's just, but then like the way United States written, it just like hits all of them. And you're like, Oh, shit yeah no this is not justified and this is just like doomed to fucking fail and like so that that is what did it for me i was never really like an issues guy really it really was like i guess i got there from theory i guess you could say yeah. would be the way to put it yeah i guess yeah. i i asked that question wrong because i i completely nixed a category that is like the content-based uh track so like whether it be books or podcasts or both yeah. um and I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but uh, it sounds like fun. Uh, I feel like a lot of people that come in on one of those tracks forget that, like, the other ones exist. And it mm -hmm. causes a lot of this rift. So, like, a lot of the people who, like you, came in through, like, podcasters will hold someone like Dave Smith at a very high esteem. Or, like, Tom Woods 
where like I was an active member of the LP for like five years before I heard Tom Wood's name, <laughs> like because yeah. it just like didn't come up. And like I got brought in by the Gary Johnson campaign. And so like I hold Gary Johnson in a very high esteem, which I know like a lot of my friends shit on me for. Uh, and I'm sure you have some choice words for <laughs> Gary Johnson. Um, I don't like, hate the guy. He seems like a nice like, guy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and like I have, I have like policy issues with him now because, you know, I'm a, full-on anarchist and you know have have come a long way but at the time he offered me guns and drugs uh which no other politician had both of those policy points and that's all i needed to to join a new party because uh, I, I actually registered for the first time as a libertarian it was like my first election and i was like what is this bullshit um and so i feel like that's a lot of the riff uh between the movement is like uh not realizing that like a lot of people have brought in people into the movement that you just like haven't met or didn't realize. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I guess, I guess I agree. I, I don't really know. What to yeah. Say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 like I said, I came through theory and I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never was too big on issues. Maybe for me, I always just kind of knew like, I don't know what the fuck am I really going to do there? Like, I guess I just intuitively knew like my vote doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, I mean, was... I guess like I get other people too, but even that, like, I don't, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. main thing for me was more like, I just didn't really care about that. I didn't really see the point. Like what effect am I going to have there aside from maybe getting people to think a little bit differently and maybe affect their vote as slightly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That's about it. But as for me voting, I never gave a shit. Like I, I can honestly say I've never voted. Cause it's like, Based. Like mathematically speaking, it literally does not matter <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah, I feel like I was just enough of like a nationalistic patriot still when I first joined the party uh, and held like a whole bunch of terrible neocon points of view that like kept me to like where I had faith in the LP because like I definitely started off as one of the like this is the party that is the true Americans that like represent the Constitution and what the founding fathers really wanted like that's what actually brought me in so like I was still like super uh, patriotic like I thought I was gonna run for president someday Uh, like that that was like whole one track mind there uh, so I guess that gave me a little bit of faith in the LP early on that like politics still mattered and, and the country still mattered and there was still value in that. Now I'm a fan of Lysander Spooner and, you know, think the Constitution is bullshit. Uh, but it took me like four or five years of being an active member of the LP to make that switch. Uh, and then now I like give people shit for still being like a nationalist. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't really I don't know. It's, it's funny. Like, I remember, like, I was a big fan of Dave Smith, and I was actually one of the first people initially was like, you know what? I think this guy would actually be great if he ran. And, like, I was one of those ones pushing it. This was at a time where people were like, no. Like, what? He's like a nasty comic. That'd be stupid. <laughs> and, like, and I'm like, no. Like, I, and this is, like, I guess pre-Trump, I guess, somewhat, or maybe mm. right around the time. And I was kind of like, no. Like, this guy, I could kind of see, I could understand the social dynamics of how something like that could work. Like, uh, like, uh, like I said, I don't remember if it was pre or at the same time as Trump, but it's kind of like I just understood that, like, the dynamic of what he does could work. And I still mm-hmm. think that could work. And I actually think if Dave Smith did run for president, I actually think he'd probably get, like, the most percent of any libertarian ever. I don't think he'd get elected. I know a lot of people are like, oh, like, oh we're President Dave Smith. If you actually believe that, you're fucking retarded. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, like it, even if he did, like – I. 
I like Dave Smith. He's a cool guy. Yeah. Like, I, I met him. He seems like a really nice guy. He's a really genuine dude. I think he's awesome. But, like, I, if anything, I like him too much because I wouldn't want him to because he either would get, you know, you know, take a fucking convertible ride down Dallas or he would essentially go the way of, like, a Trump and, like, get completely weighed down. And then, if anything, it would probably just be a scar on the face of libertarianism in that sense and mm-hmm. kind of, like, you know, he didn't really – wasn't able to do anything he wanted. You know, it's because it's like the, the the Fed has a million ways to Sunday to fuck you over. So it's like, I mean, if you have any sort of vulnerability, like I've said before, like all they'd have to do is send him a picture of his kid, you know, like kind of like taken from a fucking obviously taken from a place where they took it. You know what I mean? Kind mm-hmm. of like, hey, we see you. And then like, and, and, and you know, if if he didn't back down at that point, I think he was actually a piece of shit because I think your family matters more than anything. So yeah. I know if if that happened to me, I'd be like, yeah, guess what? I'm I'm not I'm dropping out or doing whatever the hell they want at that point. Like, I mean, or, or though I mean, I guess maybe there's different ways to go about it. But my point being is like, I don't I don't think it'd work out like people think in that way. So far as actually being president, I think that's silly, mm-hmm. and I think he knows that. And he said that before. That's silly. Yeah. But um, I also think like I don't know. I, I think likely, I think like putting your energy in that. Well, I, I you know I think it's. I guess in some sense it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's a valiant effort and it's, you know, I, I get it. It's kind of like you mean well, but I, I don't know. I think it's kind of a failing endeavor. You know, I think mm-hmm. you're probably wasting your time. And, like, don't get me wrong. Like I said, he'd probably get the most percent, bring in the most people to the LP, blah, 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 all, the, all those big metrics. But then I think just the way that incentives work within political parties and stuff like that, I think, you know, all the shit you hate, like the people that want him in there, all the stuff they hate about the previous regime and stuff is just going to leak its way back in mm-hmm. and then you're just going to get the same thing and all you did was put more steam in that machine. Yeah. And you just had – so I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there aren't going to be good things that come out of it. I just I, – I think if you look at it from like a net thing, I just think at best you're just running in place. So it's like mm-hmm. – I don't know. There's a million other things you can do. You can yeah. fucking get your life right, You know, improve your situation. You can do all sorts of things that will have far more effect in the world than that. Yeah. So yeah. you can get a lot of free press out of being a uh, like actual presidential candidate that's on, you know, if he were able to get 50 state ballot access like that, there's there's some press there. But like not not to do him the disrespect of really comparing him to Joe Jorgensen, but like she did not get much press. And I mean, neither did Gary Johnson even. Uh, I mean, he got the most out of any of our candidates ever. Uh, but like that was still not a lot even if Dave surpasses that it's still not a whole lot and it's press that I feel like he's starting to get anyway Uh, I feel like that's my main reason for not supporting Dave Smith for president is just I think that he he could achieve the same platform if not a larger platform by 2024 uh, by not running for president and being able to like double the amount of exposure that our actual presidential candidate does have by supporting them loudly on all of these platforms that he has already uh where you know he could be preaching you know some more pragmatic i guess person that fits the bill for the political messiness that is running for president and he gets to just continue on his mission uh but like actually disagree with you there i think he actually uh, I actually think uh, from the, the view you're looking at it, I actually think he's the best candidate. I just think in the long run, all it does is put steam in a machine that's just going to – essentially all you're doing is elevating something that's going to return to its previous position anyways. Yeah. The, the shit that like the people that uh, 
the people that are supporting him now, like the LPMC guys, I think it's likely going to be essentially return to its previous form. And all you did was make it bigger and a more bastardized, bastardized version of what you believe in. Yeah. And uh, I do think he actually would be the best candidate in the sense of the way you're looking at it. Insofar as like actually getting press, changing minds, things like that. I just think in the long run, because don't be wrong. I think if he actually got press, he'd probably change a lot of people's minds. But then I think he'd also suck mm-hmm. a lot of people into the LP. They'd get fucking dragged down into the the bullshit that is the LP. Yeah. And yeah, I just think it's. I don't know. Personally, I, I just think it's in the long run. But I don't be wrong. There's wins to be had there, and I don't know. Yeah. I hope. I'm, I guess I hope I'm wrong. I guess I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean. Whatever. Yeah. Either way, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I have, I have b- basic. I have very few opinions at this point about the mm. the LP nomination because, like, I mean, at this point, I don't even know if I'm going to be a part of that presidential race, no matter who it is. Uh, yeah. If it's Spike, then definitely I'll be a part of it, just because, like, I I already work with him and like I'm, he's a good friend. But like, I don't know. I I'm I'm kind of in a similar boat to you where like growing the party isn't exactly a mission that I think is worth doing at that scale at that like repetitive like rapid of a pace because you're like what you're saying you're only going to get a whole bunch of those same bad apples that we got in 2016 with that big groundswell uh and it's I don't know. It's just not a successful party. It's not something that actually like benefits people to join. They're just going to waste their time becoming county chair and then get burnt out because they have to go to a meeting every other week and accomplish absolutely nothing with five years of their lives. Yeah. I mean, basically my, my thoughts is like either agorism or like hoppiness. That's the, those are my, in my opinion, either hyper local or like fucking or like legit, just like, you know, essentially agorism, like take care of yourself, you know, mm-hmm. engage in the black and gray markets, stuff like that. I mean, that's my opinion. I mean, if you, if you want to go the hopping route too, I mean, I'm leaning more towards the agorism, but like, I think there's some merit to be having the hoppingism type thing, like take over a local area, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, maybe some people move like, that's kind of, I guess, maybe in a sense, sort of like what the free state is to some extent, you yeah. know, you know, uh, localized to an area, start, you know, changing the rules to be more, you know, I don't know, fucking it'd be dope if, like, you know, New Hampshire fucking passed some law that made it that any fucking anyone who receives welfare or works for the government can't vote. That'd be fucking dope. <laughs> Something like that. You know, I know shit like that. That'd, that'd be yeah. great. Like, just little things like that. I don't know. But I just, I so far as, like, federal politics or, like, parties, it just, I don't know. It, to me, it just seems like, yeah, you may get wins here and there, but I think overall, if you look at the large scope, I think you're just going to lose. Yeah. So uh, one thing we do every week is a question from the missus because she doesn't think my show is interesting enough with all the political crap. Uh, So we have to have one more interesting question that she writes. Uh, So if you knew that in one year you would die, would you change anything about the way you are living now? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I definitely would change things. I mean, for me, I guess I'd. Not that I don't spend time with my family, but I would spend a whole lot more time with my family. Uh, I don't know. Raise my life insurance. I know. Stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, if I knew I'd only had a year to left. I know I, she's going to appreciate that answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's about all I can think of. Like, because for me, family is the first thing. So, but mm-hmm. like, you know, so it'd just be, I don't know fucking use all the money i got to raise my life insurance and spend going vacations and stuff like that you know fucking drop any other distractions i have in my life 
just nothing but family at that point. So that that'd be the way I'd look at it. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I can yeah. respect that. Um, to tie back to to what you were just saying though about like you know the hoppianism or agorism, I feel like uh the the route that I've kind of chosen uh as like the well what do we do now uh is like just educate other people which you know i think you're doing a fucking fantastic job and uh like your anarchist handbook series was really solid i have not actually gotten a chance to read the book but i've watched at least a solid third of that series and you know really solid uh, ability to digest uh what was written if you're not really a big reader because i i I just haven't been (laughs) for years Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not a big reader but i do podcasts so uh like, I think that that is, uh, like, I don't know. That's kind of the only thing that I can think of anymore of, like, what do you do now is, like, well, let's try to wake some other people up to how bullshit it is. And, I mean, kind of to the agorism point, I guess, like, if you can get somewhere where a bunch of like-minded people are around you and you can kind of, like, uh, isolate and prep for, for the blow-up because, like, the federal government's going to collapse in the next 15 years, likely. <laughs> It's a possibility. I mean, you never or the know. world. Yeah. Like, <laughs> world War Three happens tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, like, the, uh, I, I agree. I mean, I, I guess for me, it's more just like I'm just talking about stuff I want to talk about. But mm-hmm. it, there is some aspect of like, well, I think this would be interesting for people. Uh, I know. I guess I'm very much an egoist in the sense that like, I don't know. A lot of this I just cover for myself. I cover things I find interesting and. Mm-hmm. I think other people will find it. Other people find interesting. Like I, I do like the fact that it will affect others, but ultimately, like I don't know, just what I want to cover, to some extent. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm not. I still have a decent amount of the anarchist. I've put that on hold for a while. Just I don't know. I got get. I get sidetracked with this thing and that thing and this thing, and I, you know, I'll probably end up coming back to it. I've been in talks with, uh, you know, for probably over six months with Bob Murphy back and forth about scheduling to. Cause I think the next one will likely probably be with him. Maybe. I mean, I may, that may or may not happen. I'll see, uh, to do the God, fuck. I'm forgetting who it is. It's a super famous, a super God. I feel really dumb. I can't think of who it is right now. Off the top of my head. Uh, shit. I'm gonna think of it in a second, but, uh, yeah, I have another one that it's like, a fuck. It's really bugging me. I can't think of his name. He's probably one of the most famous Tolstoy, Leo, uh, Tolstoy. That'll probably be the one I have him cover. Uh, that, that that one he's like a most notably known for being like a christian anarchist mm-hmm. um yeah that was his big thing although that 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 uh essay doesn't have a ton to do with that but <laughs> you know but that is what he's known for and that'll probably be my cover next the biggest thing i the big the hardest thing for me with that that series is like i haven't been able to find a lot of lefties mm. like at all because like a lot of those are like there's some like commie anarchists and like socialist anarchists in there and i just like i I don't know. I just like that. I'm, I guess like because like most of these people I reach out through Twitter and the way the algorithm works and the kind of people that I guess I attract and repel. <laughs> like, it's kind of like I, uh, I don't know. I also want to have someone I want to have a conversation with. So it's like a lot of the people that I'm like, oh, yeah, I could talk about Bakunin with. I'm like, I don't want to fucking talk to that person. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know. It, it, it's hard. And it's also like. I'm trying to find some sort of thread to where we can actually meet and talk and find agreement to some extent. Not that I have to agree entirely with what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It's just like, uh, I don't know. It, 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 it's hard. It, but yeah, that's a, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely pick away those, but I've, I've done a decent amount. 
I mean, my most viewed uh, episode was the the uh, Dave Smith Anatomy of the State one, the Rothbard one, mm-hmm. which you know that was a big deal for me because uh, that was uh, that was that like I said, that was the book that made me an anarchist, and Dave Smith was the one who convinced me to read it, and I got him on for that, so that was cool. That was really That's dope. Awesome. I mean, I've had him on a few other times since then, but that was a uh, that was definitely probably the 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 most personally profound episode I've done. I guess is how I'd put it. Although I've also interviewed, it's hard to say. Also, probably another personally profound one is I interviewed um, uh, Duncan Lemp's girlfriend. Hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know if you saw that. I forget which episode it was. I want to say it's like one sixty one or something, but I might be wrong. Uh, but that one was profound for me because Duncan Lemp was that that was a story I followed a lot and that meant a lot to me. And uh, to be able to get her on there for that, that was a big deal. For those who aren't aware, that was the mother of his child. Uh, she was pregnant when the uh, when it happened. Essentially, they did like a no-knock raid and essentially murdered Duncan Lemp in his own home next to her. I believe her name was Casey, Casey Robinson, I think. Uh, and that was a that was that was a hard one, uh, mm-hmm. but that was a, that was definitely another personally profound one. Just it was an honor to be able to do that. I don't think she's really ever done any other podcast interviews like that. So I was I think I was her first one. So it was a big deal. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, not awesome that that happened, but awesome no. that that. Um, yeah, that yeah, was, agree. that was one of the, that was definitely one of the first stories that kind of dragged me in of like, uh, cause you know, I grew up in kind of a small town, uh, where like literally my best friend growing up, his dad was a cop. And then like my mentor in church and the guy that like taught the Wednesday night children's program with me, uh, was also a cop and like, they were really good friends and like partners. And so I grew up with like a super positive opinion of police. And even when I started being more libertarian and more like uh, the laws are unjust, but the cops aren't really at fault necessarily. uh, Duncan Lemp was definitely one of those stories that was just like kind of blew me away of like, how how is there no justice here? How is this being covered up in this way? Uh, how is nobody talking about this the same way as they've been talking about so many other terrible things? Like, what the fuck? Uh, it was a huge, like, wake-up call to, like, how terrible things can really get if you piss off the wrong people. Yeah, 171. I had to look it up just to be clear in case anyone want to go check it out. 171, uh, I think it, believe it, uh, to me it's, like, criminally underviewed. Uh, that one, I don't even think I hit a 1,000 on that one, but... Uh, uh, I guess a lot of people, not a lot, many people followed it like quite like we did, but yeah, that was a big, big, uh, big deal for me. Episode 171. So if anyone has checked that out, that was uh, my interview with uh, Duncan Lemp's, you know, widow, essentially. They weren't, they weren't technically married, but you know, according to her, they were basically in their heads married because they were, I don't think he was called himself an anarchist, but they were very much like kind of, of that ilk that like in mm-hmm. their heads, they were married. They, they were, she was literally pregnant at the time that the, uh, it happened. Yeah, you know, their their son was born shortly ever after. So, I believe his name was Socrates Lemp, I believe, or something like that. So, based. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so before we wrap up, I do want to give you a chance to like shout out anything uh, like upcoming that you're excited about doing, and like how to follow uh, all of your things. I've got the social media handles below, uh, but yeah uh like i mentioned uh i'm gonna be recording tomorrow part eight of uh my okc one which is a big deal for me because uh, we're finally covering the trinity stuff we'll be covering uh the big things we'll be covering there is uh 
know, Kenneth trying to do, trying to do in the, uh, you know, supposed suicide, quote unquote. And, uh, you know, then kind of going into Jesse trying to do and kind of his crusade against the government and what all that's, you know, produced. And then also kind of going into a lot of how the feds, uh, kind of, uh, you know, how they control the narrative through like, uh, by controlling the information through FOIA and stuff like that, or just straight up perjury, shit like that. You know, just the audacity of these people essentially. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then I think next week I have Addy ads on, we're going to talk about anyone knows him. He's a big, like on the ground, kind of like journalist guy. We'll be talking about the Ohio stuff. And then, uh, on the ninth, I'll be doing a four pony boys with, me, Top Lobster, Clint Russell, uh, and Shane Cashman will be our big guest for that. So the uh, the journalist for nice. Tim Cass. I know a lot of people are all butthurt about the Eliza Blue stuff with him right now, but I'm bringing him on anyways because I fucking <laughs> like him and he's dope. And, uh, yeah, I think he didn't do anything wrong. And if you don't like him, anyone out there, you can suck a dick. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, there, there's – I, I think a lot of people misunderstood that situation, and I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I'll definitely talk to him, but that one's going to be a live stream. I think, I'm, I think I'll make the Addy Ads one as well since it's like a current events thing. I normally put this stuff on the paywall, but if anyone wants to show up, talk about that, whatever, if you want to go, because a lot of people are very upset about that whole thing. Then it's all worked up about it. If you want to ask Shane questions, send me, I don't know, super chat. Maybe you can send me one buck, two bucks. I'll guarantee you I'll read it. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, yeah, no, I have the No Way Jose show. You can find me on YouTube. I'll need your all podcasters, obviously, as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Tower Gang Jose. And I also have the Tower Gang show, uh, or t- podcast, which is offensive comedy. So if you come in there and say I'm offended, we're literally in the midst of a March Madness-style tournament, but on school shooters. So, you know, uh, th- if that gives you an idea of what kind of show you're dealing with, uh, just just know if you come in there and go, oh, my God, it's offensive, I'll be like, yes, That's you're right. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's just guys goofing around, making jokes, particularly about a dark or, you know, offensive comedy. And if you don't like it, then don't watch it. And so, uh, But just letting you know it's a thing. Uh, yeah, uh, but that's uh, really all I got that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, that's it, yeah. If you want to give me money, patreon.com. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, and you guys go uh, Wednesday nights, nine eleven still, right? Yep, nine eleven, Eastern time every Wednesday. Yep, yep, yep. We have Mark Random on tomorrow, which is one of our favorite yes. guests. For those who know him, <laughs> he's a weirdo, but I love him. <laughs> well, uh, tomorrow night, uh, I'll be going live. Actually, at the same time, I realized after I started scheduling out everyone on Wednesday at 9-11, I was like, holy shit, this is not only the same date and time, but, like, literally the same date and time with the same, like, premise joke. Uh, with <laughs> Didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> I promise. Uh, but tomorrow we've got Mark Pellegrino from uh, Supernatural and Lost uh, coming back on the show. Super excited about that. Uh, so give a like, follow. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, the playlist that we've been mentioning uh, is also in the description. So go check that out uh, and find out all about the OKC bombing and get as pissed off as we are. And uh, then share everything that Jose has ever done. Just like go through the whole YouTube thing, share it all, and then uh, come on back and watch our shows tomorrow. Jose? Oh, yeah. If, if on Twitter, I promise if I see you retweet my uh, my uh, pinned pin a pin tweet i will fucking i will follow you there we go but i may block you later so (laughs) (laughs) that's fair 
<laughs> well, Jose, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, this was great. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, guys, thanks for hanging out. Uh, we'll catch you back here next time. Until then, keep up the fight. Thank <laughs> you.